This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com slash critical to find out more. It's been a fractious few weeks in politics as we head towards a federal election and one of the issues that's burned brightly was a new religious discrimination bill. We got a lot of emails asking for a squish shortcuts on this one because it's not straightforward. So we'll look at Australia's existing anti-discrimination laws, why religious discrimination is on the agenda now and what the coalition had hoped to achieve before an election. Squish shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Eliza Harvey. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, Australia's anti-discrimination laws are a long and winding road, so let's go back in time to Federation in 1901, all the way back to the White Australia policy. So that term covers policies between 1901 and 1958, and essentially they stop people of non-European ethnic origin, especially Asians and Pacific Islanders, uh, from immigrating to Australia. Uh, in fact, a lot of Europeans were prevented from coming too, because when it came to immigration, Australian policymakers really wanted the Brits to come and settle in Australia. And that approach was in place until after the end of World War II. Australia had a very small population and economic development was calling. So the then Chifley government talked about populate or perish and there was a big recruitment drive to attract migrants. Many came from different racial backgrounds. They spoke different languages and they brought different food. My mum and dad were kids when they lived near the Bowengilla Migrant Centre uh, and I remember them talking about encountering Italians and Greeks and Poles and people from so many different backgrounds and what that was like when your whole world was just this little country town. Mm. Uh, many of them had come to Australia to work on big infrastructure projects like the Snowy Hydro Scheme and uh, and of course, to build better lives for their families in the wake of World War II. Yes, and with that came discrimination, of course. So in 1975, the Whitlam government forged the Racial Discrimination Act, and that was Australia's first national human rights legislation. So acts of violence had always been prosecuted, but non-violent acts like refusing someone a job because of their race went through to the keeper until that Racial Discrimination Act was put in place. And Claire, the next step was the Sex Discrimination Act in 1984. Yeah, that was another historic moment. It became a crime to discriminate against people because of their sex, gender or marital status. And the debate at the time was really focused on giving women rights, particularly in the workforce. And then on to laws covering discrimination against those with disability. That law was passed in 1992 and the Age Discrimination Act in 2004, which leaves religious discrimination. So some background to that, uh, freedom of religion is one of the few rights expressly protected in our constitution. Uh, there's also a patchwork of state and territory laws to protect people's freedoms of religious belief. Uh, and Australia has also signed up to a number of international human rights treaties. And basically, it was thought that that would be enough. But the times, Claire, they are a-changing. Let's get into why religious discrimination is a thing next. 
Claire, we don't have to go too far back in time to pinpoint ground zero of the current debate about religious discrimination. It was 2017 and the passing of laws to allow same-sex marriage. And social conservatives in the coalition, so the Liberal and National parties, were concerned that churches could be forced to marry same-sex couples. So in a bid to calm those tensions, uh, then Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull commissioned a review of whether Australian laws adequately protected religious freedom. And that review was led by former Liberal Attorney-General Philip Ruddick, and it received 15,000 submissions from church organisations and human rights and equality campaigners. Claire, we could actually do a whole shortcuts just on the ins and outs of that, but we boiled it down. Yeah, you should be relieved <laughs> to find that we've done I actually that. Am. <laughs> <laughs> so, in short, the churches wanted to hold on to powers uh, that they have to discriminate against people on religious grounds. So, for example, some don't want to employ gay teachers in their schools because homosexuality doesn't accord with their religious teachings. And on the other side, equality campaigners said that when it comes to education, employment, uh, and the delivery of goods and services, that church and faith-based organisations shouldn't be allowed to do that. And the following year, the Ruddick Review came back with its recommendations and it said churches should be able to discriminate on the back of sexual orientation, gender identity or relationship status. And the review said that it should be put into the Sexual Discrimination Act um, to make sure that it's uniform across the country, not just that patchwork of state and territory laws. Suffice to say, though, Claire, that was contentious. And we know what happens when governments on small margins hit contentious issues. They generally stall. Mm. Uh, But in 2018, uh, the Turnbull-led coalition government accepted those recommendations and committed to a bigger change, and that was that it wanted a standalone Religious Discrimination Act to cover all of this. And that was a really important thing for many people of faith. Yeah, there was huge support from religious organisations. They felt that it was an opportunity to reinforce the importance of faith uh, in an increasingly secular community. So, for example, Melbourne's Catholic Archbishop Peter Comensoli uh, said that it would have been, and this is the quote, a positive message that being a believer, holding to that belief and living by that belief is a valuable thing in our society. Uh, And it wasn't just the Christian groups. There were Muslim groups and Sikhs. Uh, They wanted to make sure that religious minorities had greater protections. Uh, And Jewish leaders also said that they were concerned about rising anti-Semitism. And it was around this time that Wallaby Israel Folau was sacked by Rugby Australia over tweets saying that gay people would go to hell. Yeah, and we talked about that a lot in the squiz because it was quite the saga. Uh, and it wasn't just a big news story. The coalition actually put a Falau clause into the draft bill uh, and that would prevent big employers from sacking their staff if they made contentious religious statements in public. Uh, that clause, though, didn't make it into the final product. You mentioned a draft bill there, Claire. In fact, there were three released by the coalition on their journey to putting something before the parliament at the end of last year. And we also had a change in PM with Scott Morrison taking the reins. 
Yeah, and Morrison is a man of faith. He is a member of the Pentecostal Church and he's spoken quite extensively about the importance of religion in his life. He introduced the bill into Parliament in November last year, uh, which shows just how much he's invested in it. And he said, and this is the quote, citizens of liberal democracies should never be fearful about what they believe, the lives they lead or the God they follow. And he also said that the bill would, quotes, fix important weaknesses in our discrimination laws. So let's get into the specifics of the bill and where it landed next. Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser, BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear. And by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. Claire, despite more than three years of plans and drafts and reviews and consultations, there was still division when Morrison's religious discrimination bill came to be debated in the House of Representatives last week. Yeah, within the coalition, uh, conservatives were good to go, but moderates, so those who were a bit more socially progressive, they wanted to remove religious schools' right to expel gay and trans kids. Uh, And going into the debate last week, Prime Minister Scott Morrison had committed to doing uh, what those progressives had asked, but that was changed to protecting people based on sexuality, not by gender. And that means gay kids were protected, but not trans kids. Yeah, that's right. And for their part, many religious schools said that they're not looking to expel trans kids uh, and that the issue of gender dysmorphia broadly calls for nuance and understanding and really good pastoral care. Uh, But what Morrison's Attorney General, Michaelia Cash, said is that the issue relating to trans kids should be looked at in the legislation after the Australian Law Reform Commission uh, that is doing a review reports on it next year. But that didn't stop campaigners absolutely rubbishing the approach. One MP who spoke powerfully was Labor's Stephen Jones, and he said his 15-year-old nephew had ended his life in recent weeks. He said he was gay and uncertain of his gender and that the love and acceptance of family and friends alone weren't enough. It was pretty heart-wrenching, actually. Yeah, it sure is. These are really tricky issues. And it was concerns over that issue that saw five Liberal MPs cross the floor to vote for amendments that included protections for trans kids. That ultimately meant that they voted against their own side's laws. So it was a really big show of dissent. In fact, the biggest from the coalition since the 1980s. Yeah, and in terms of the process, that amended bill passed through the House of Reps, but Morrison pulled it from being voted on in the Senate. So just a quick reminder on the numbers in Parliament, the Coalition doesn't have a majority in the Senate. So unless deals are done, it's hard for Morrison to get what he wants there. And there weren't any deals in the offing on this one. 
So it's pulled from their list of bills to consider. And while it's not technically dead, in reality, it is, at least for this term of government, Claire. Yeah, that's right. And when you look at the calendar, the Senate sits for just two more days between now and when an election is due on the 21st of May. So Morrison gets to say that he tried and Labor gets to say that it stood up for what they believed in uh, to be right. So there's no Religious Discrimination Act. No, and Labor leader Anthony Albanese said it hasn't made the problem go away. Discrimination on the basis of faith is real. But Claire, even the religious group seemed okay with the bill tanking. Yeah, the Christian lobby said that the bill as it went through the parliament would do more harm than good. Uh, The National Imams Council covering Muslims said that they wouldn't protect religious minorities uh, and the Sikh Association said that it was hard to distinguish in the end who the bill was serving. So it really didn't end well. No. And now we head to another election where this will be a live issue for many voters. And that's your shortcut to the religious discrimination laws. Now on to recommendations. Claire, a young guy called Paddy Coulter-Jones, that's MP Stephen Jones' son, he was interviewed on ABC News Breakfast last week and he's gender fluid. He says when people ask him about it, he says, I'm just Paddy. It was a lovely, quite inspiring interview to watch after a pretty bruising week in politics. Yeah, and he's just 15 years old, so it was an incredible and articulate view of what are very difficult issues. Mm. Uh, I'm a bit off topic as I tend to go sometimes with the recommendations, <laughs> but I mentioned Bowen Giller and that influx of migrants to Australia in the late 1940s through to the 70s, and that was the starting point really for racial discrimination laws. Officials now reckon that about one and a half million Australians are descendant from migrants that spent time at Bowen Giller, so wow. that's one in 20 Australians. So you can go there, you can trace your rallies. So I've got a link to that website. Excellent. And thanks so much for tuning in to Squeeze Shortcuts. If you like our shortcut, you might want to consider leaving a review in your podcast app. We always love getting recommendations on shortcuts. So if you have any ideas, get in touch with hello at thesquiz.com.au. Until next week. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista. Tell your hairdresser. Whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.